Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Let me just pray for Richard. I like it when someone calls me young man. Not many people can do that. Right, come on, old boy. Right. (laughs) Father God, we just thank you for Richard. We thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you, Father, that he has a word for us, a word in season. And I thank you for his faithfulness in bringing what you want to say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are we? Oh, that's great. Turn to the person next to you, give them a high five, say, how are you doing today? Turn to the person on the other side, give them a high five and saying, you're looking mighty good today. I'm just going to pray as well, if that's all right. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say after what Mark said, that God is a God of restoration. I've been so privileged, Esther and I have been so privileged to lead this church for 26 years. And just see so many people come through our doors that have been broken, hurting, in pain, lost. Some of them without hope. But God is a God of restoration. He restores. He truly does. And when he restores, it's, it's a proper job. It really is. And Father, I thank you for the privilege to be the under-shepherd to the good shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. I'm just the under-shepherd to him. And I'm serving, Esther and I are serving you as a couple. And we're going to do that passionately for as long as God calls us to do that. And we want to leave a legacy. You know, Sheila was somebody. She um, went to a church on the American air base here. And that church closed. And her and a group of friends lived in Kesgrave. And they said, let's pray for a church to come, for people to come and plant a church in Kesgrave to the kind of style and stuff that she was used to. And then we came along and here we are. And it's faithful prayers like that, people standing faithfully in the gap for others that can you know, continue and bring forth the work of God. So we thank you for Sheila, Lord, and many that have gone on uh, before, before us, Father God, and they're in heaven right now rejoicing. They wouldn't want to come back, and one day we're going to see them again. We're going to see our loved ones again. We can be assured of that. And I know it's very challenging when a loved one passes and moves on. It's hard to move on in life. And the church is here like a hospital to, to see people restored and, and healed and put together. But then we've got to move on from that place because there are other people out there that are in the same position that are sick and they need a physician. That's what Jesus said. I haven't come for those who are well. I'll come for those who are sick. But he never left them sick. He ministered to them and loved on them and prayed for them and healed them. Father, I thank you for the word of life that I share today. I thank you, Father God, for the responsibility that we have as ministers of the gospel to preach the true word of God. And I thank you for what I'm about to share, Father. I pray that there's seeds going into hearts, we believe, that are ready and open to receive that which the Holy Spirit would want to perform and quicken in our hearts, lives, and minds. 
And we thank you, Father, for this day that we can worship a real king, a king who's alive. He's no longer in the grave. He reigns on high. And we're seated with him. If you can say amen to that, that's fantastic. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Kings 17, we're going to get there in a moment. Um, another testimony about Sheila. She was a single mum. She was divorced. She had a couple of children. She had no job when her husband left her. And uh, she had the, the thought of going to work. Probably never worked, I don't know. And she had to bring up her two girls. And then she's got to pay for the mortgage. How many of you got a home that you're paying a mortgage to? Uh, it's tough, isn't it? Right now, it's tough for everybody, isn't it? But can you imagine a single mum like that? And there are many single mums like that battling through life to try and make ends meet. And her goal was to pay off her mortgage, and she did that in her lifetime. How did she do that, and why did she do that? Because she was a great advocate of giving to the church, of sowing to the church. Giving and receiving, they're part of the same deal, aren't they? We give and we receive, don't we? We don't give to receive, but when we do give, we receive. Is that right? Amen. She was a passionate tither. She would give 10% of her income, even when she didn't have it, even when she couldn't afford it, to the local church. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you doing all right at the moment? And against all odds, she did in her lifetime, left a legacy for her children, left money for her children, and sowed into the church as well, so that people like you and I, who were lost at one time, can come in to church and find, find the Lord and be saved. She was convinced that tithing was the thing that made her blessed. She knew Jehovah Jireh. Who's Jehovah Jireh? Who's he? Anybody know? The Lord of not enough? The Lord of just enough? Yeah, that's right. The Lord will provide. That's his name. Okay. I just want to thank, Mark's already done that, but I want to thank everybody for sowing into the, the church. It's really important that if you're a believer, if you're part of a local fellowship, you know, sow where you're being fed. If you're in the church, and this is the place to talk about money, isn't it? I'm not talking about just giving and we're just having this plea for you to give. I'm going to teach you this morning about principles of giving because I think they're very different and they're very, uh, that's the place we need to learn about giving in church. Newsflash. Everyone say newsflash. We've got a guest speaker next week. All the way from, can we say Norwich and Ipswich in the same sentence? Oh, I don't know. It's hard even for me. Although I'm a Liverpool fan, it's really hard to say that sentence. My daughter-in-law, Sarah, is going to come and bring a message. I've heard the message. She is wild. She's a bit crazy. So tell your neighbor you need to be here. Tell your neighbor I'm a bit crazy as well. So someone else coming who's crazy is okay. And what we will be doing, we'll be taking an offering for Sarah just to cover her, her petrol and the time she's come to be with us. So that's fantastic, isn't it? Are you at 1 Kings 17 yet? You know, I met a guy, a new friend, and he said, I found this amazing way to give after he heard this message about giving to the church. And, and, and I said, well, what do you do? What's the amazing way? Because I thought I knew how to give. I'd sort of write a check. Who knows? We don't do that anymore, do we? No one writes a check anymore. And I'd give my offering every single week. And he said, I've got I've had this amazing revelation from God about how I give my offering. And I said, well, you need to tell me about it. He said, I get every single, even my wallet, and every bit of change I've got, I hold it in my hand, and I throw it up in the air, and I say, God, what stays up there is yours. What comes down is mine. 
Okay, to get the context, are you there yet? One, one Kings 17. Hopefully it's going to be. There it is, lovely. Thank you, Angelo. Yeah, let's have a look at this. Let's get the context. To get context and understand why Elijah proclaims a drought in the land. Firstly, it's judgment against God's people because they're into idol worship. Secondly, they're worshipping Baal. And he was known as the Lord of the rain and Jew. And they worshipped him as a weather gog. God, not a gog. He's a weather god. Just as God proved his power over the Egyptians, God now proves he alone has power even over the sun and the rain and everything that we enjoy on the earth today. Right, if you're at 1 Kings 17, I'm going to read quite a few verses and then we're going to break some of them down and see what we can learn from these passages of Scripture as Christians. Isn't that good to learn? And what's the other thing that we've got to do once we've learned? Put it into practice. Is that right? That's fantastic. We'll give you a chance to give an offering at the end of the service. You spell thousand, T-H-O-U. Elijah was a prophet from the town of Tishbe in Gilead. And he said to King Ahab, I serve the Lord, the God of Israel. I love this. By his power. Say that. By his power. You know, we can do nothing in our power. We can do everything in his power. By his power, I promise that no dew or rain will fall for the next few years. Who'd like a prophecy like that? That's encouraging, isn't it? The rain will fall only when I command it to fall. Let's go down to verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Uh, these verses, the next few verses are quite strange, aren't they? The, raisin, the, raisins. the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I'd have gone straight to the bottle. I don't know about you if the ravens had come and fed me. What about you? You didn't get that. Okay, it went right over your head. That's fine. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Verse 8. Who'd like to be fed by raisins? I said it again, raisins. Ravens. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Okay, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Sarapheth, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. The next verse, 10. So he arose and went down to that place. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. I'd have been offended by that. How about you? It doesn't say he went up to her and said, Hello, how are you doing? My name's Elijah. Nice to see you. In fact, God's actually spoken to you and you've got to provide for me while I'm here. And she's a widow. Think about that for a moment. Verse 11. I went ahead of myself there. Verse 11. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar of oil. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. This is her last meal. And this geezer called Elijah rocks up. And he says, hello there. Didn't even say hello, did he? Just go and get me a, a morsel of bread. She's got no bread. She's got nothing. And there's Elijah asking her for a meal. Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. I'd have been a gentleman and say, no, you eat and then whatever's left I'll have. No, just 
Let's learn about that because this is a lesson for all of us. And bring it to me and afterward make some for yourselves and your son. That's not very kind, is it? But what did she do? Did she argue? Did she complain? She said she's going to make this meal and die. Then he says, for thus said the Lord, look at this promise. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. What principles can we learn from these verses? We're going to go back over some of these verses. I'm going to share five areas of giving. The first thing we need to see is that God speaks. And we need to understand as believers, we need to know when God is speaking and when the enemy is speaking. Is that right? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Is that right? As believers, we, know, we need to know and understand when God is speaking to us and when he's not. And I know there are a lot of Christians who've never heard God speak to them. How to recognize the voice of God. Do you know how to recognize the voice of God from your own thoughts in your mind or from the thoughts from the enemy? And you know, for us to accomplish anything that God calls us to do, we need to hear him clearly about doing what he's called us to do. Is that right? And I think God's a, you know, because God said, I'm going to send ravens to you. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Deliveroo, yeah. (laughs) Just eat, yeah, but ravens. I don't suppose it was a McDonald's at the time. No, probably not. Okay, the second thing we see is Elijah's obedience to do what God said. Although this seems really crazy, he goes to this brook and these ravens come and feed him. And then the brook dries up and he says, go to this other place. You're going to find a widow. You know, if I'd have been Elijah, I'd have said to God, you know, why do I have to go and find a widow? If you're sending me, I'm going to do your will. Can't I go to a nice hotel? Who else would have asked that? I'd have asked it. Anyone else? I'm the only one. Oh dear, shame on the pastor. Shame on the pastor. It does seem a bit crazy, isn't it? But he says, go there and this lady's going to provide for you. That's the second thing. So the first thing is what? Who remembers? God speaks. What's the second thing? Sorry? Provision. Yeah. The third thing is that we see this widow as, um, who has very little, who's now going to provide for Elijah. Let's have a look at the next couple of verses. We're going to go back to verse 11 if you're there. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Everyone say little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said but make me a small cake first. Bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. You know, the widow gives what she has. She spoke about little there. The widow gives what she has to the man of God first. Now, she did that before he made the promise. Is that right? This is what I want you to do. I want you to go and make me a cake. And then the promise came. Is that right? He promised that the jar of oil... And the bin of flour would not run dry. Right, the fourth point we see, this is a test of her faith, but it's also a test of Elijah's faith. How many of you know that your, your faith is tested? Do you know why it's tested? To see if it's genuine, first of all, because we, we can all say, oh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a Christian, I'm in faith. And when stuff hits the fan, 
How many have had problems and issues and challenges in your life? Everybody, right? When stuff hits the fan, that's when it tests your faith. Am I really in faith or am I in fear? And sometimes we can get into fear when things happen, especially when we run out of things. How many of you have had too much month at the end of the money? I'm the only one. Too much month at the end of the money. As a pastor, I was a full-time pastor. I went into ministry in 1993 in South Africa. We're from England, but we went to South Africa. We got saved, and God sent us back here to plant the church. The first month, the pastor said, we're going through a bit of a tough time. Now, 10% of our salary went to the church anyway. He said, I want you to give another 10% of your, your salary because the church is going through a difficult time. I'll just lease the car and just rent it a house. And we had to... Survive was not really not the word. Interest rates in South Africa for any South Africans that lived there went up to colossal amounts. They really were. People lost their homes and everything else. But God, because we tithed and gave above the tithe, and I know a lot of people don't believe in the tithe, they say it's not for the New Testament church. For me, that's a starting point. I think 10% for me is a starting point. That's what I think. And if it wasn't for that, I believe... God wouldn't have come through. But God came through. He came through for the church. They went into massive debt. Massive debt because something happened many, many years ago. But today, that church, they've got a massive great auditorium in Pretoria. And they've planted 1,500 churches around the world. I'm saying that because faithful tithers gave to missionaries like us. And other men of God that our church sent out. 1,500 pastors have been sent out and provided for. And I'll share a little bit about a testimony, a personal testimony in a minute. So, Elijah could have thought, he's sending me to a widow. Surely the widow's got nothing. She's got no, no one to provide for. She hasn't got a husband to provide for her. She's got to look after a child. How's she going to work? How's she going to live? That's what he could have thought. But not only did God provide for the widow, uh, for Elijah, but provided for um, the widow in a drought because there was a drought, wasn't there? Okay. Then Elijah makes that promise. We've read it. I want to go back to that again. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends the rain upon the earth. You know what's amazing about this miracle? Because that's what it was. It was a three and a half year miracle. Do you know that drought lasted for three and a half years? He said that Jar of oil will not run dry, and the bin of flour will not run dry. And that seems a bit crazy, doesn't it? She could have reasoned in her mind, you know what? I just don't have it. Just go away. Leave me alone. Can't you have compassion on me and my, my child? But she did what the Lord said and what the Lord required of her and made this meal for this man. So the small cake is a seed. Everyone say seed. That will bring greater provision. I'll say that again. A small cake is a seed that will bring her greater provision. Where have we seen that before? We've seen it anywhere else in the Bible, in the New Testament. Little boy's lunch. Who's got some lunch? 5,000 people. <laughs> the little kid says, yeah, and any of my lunch. Have you ever asked a child, especially a teenager, how many brought up teenagers, can I have your sandwich? That's mine. And I want yours as well, and I want whatever's in the fridge. Is that right? Those days are a distant memory in my mind. But I know for parents that have got teenagers, and teenagers are okay, all right? You're all cool, is that right? They're looking at me like <laughs> I've said something really bad. We need to love our teenagers, is that right? Feed them. Parents, feed them. They need it because they're going to university, and it's tough being in school, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Come on, Danny, that's it. You know, tough being in school, isn't it? can be a tough place. You know, what can we learn from this? This is the title of my message. 
Don't eat your seed. Don't eat your seed. I know that's a weird title, isn't it? But what is the, the, the money that we have? What is it really when we hold it in our hands? It can be a seed, can't it? And we can plant seed, can't we? And what happens when you plant seed? You get a harvest, right? It grows. We're not sowing necessarily to get the harvest. We're sowing because God shows us how to. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says about uh, let each one purpose in his heart what to give. And that's what it's about. It's not you know, getting your money out and saying we need your money and all that kind of thing. It's teaching principles to, that we've lived by. We've lived by this. Esther and I have lived by these principles of giving to God, even when it's hard and challenging to give. It really is. We serve a God of more than enough. If he can meet the need of Elijah in drought, and he can meet the need of a widow in drought, he can meet our needs. Right? I'm going to declare this scripture to you, and I want you to say it after me. For God. I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> Where is it? God meets our needs. Oh, Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 19. And my God, hey, let me say it. I've got it now, John. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the pastors in the room. I'll tell you what, you got me out of that one. I'll really tell you. For my God shall supply all of your need according to Danny's bank account. Around yours for dinner today. According to his riches in glory. And God shall supply. Say it again. Come on. All of your need. According to his riches. That's right. We've got to start believing that. We've got to start living like that. The fifth point. It will take both faith and obedience to trust God to come through. I first learned of that principle of tithing. Went to this big church, and we had a local pastor. This was before I was a pastor, and uh, he would talk about giving. And I said to my regional pastor, I said, you know, I, can't, I just can't afford to. And he says, why don't you start off small? Why don't you start off with 1% and build up? Now, some might think, well, that's not really biblical or scriptural or whatever, but that's what I did. I started with 1% until I could build up to 10%, and that's what I did. First thing on my budget, I have a budget. I wasn't good with money. No one taught me how to handle money. I've been terrible at it. But now I understand the principle. Let's say that God owns everything, right? Do we own anything? God owns everything, and what we own or have in our lives should be for the glory of God. My home, my car, whatever it is, if you want to use it to meet and do whatever, our home is there to, uh, for the glory of God and to be used for the things of God. And that's the same with everything that we own and everything that we have. And uh, I said, I can't afford to tithe, but he said, look, you've got to give God something. If you, if you times zero by even a billion, what do you get? Ezekiel, nothing, nuxni. You get nothing. That's what you get, nothing. And you can do that with any figure, can't you? Okay, and I give as a form of worship to God. That's why I give. Because I love, I'm doing it because I love God, not because someone says that I have to. When we left South Africa in 1997, we came here with 600 quid. Our church promised to pay us that we came in April. 
They promised to pay us from the January to the, and I know some of you might have heard this testimony, but it's a real testimony, and we've lived by this. We've got many testimonies like this. Um, and the money was going to run out in October of 1997. We came in April, so four months into the year. There we are. We're looking at October. We start the church. There's hardly anyone in it. Five or six, seven, eight people. That's how it starts. And it started to grow very slowly. And it came to October, and I thought, said to Esther, look, they've promised that um, they're going to pay our salary, which was in rands. And you convert that to pounds. It's not a huge amount of money. The church couldn't afford to look after us at that time. And in October, Esther and I got together and we said, let's pray and agree. I said, Lord, I'm willing to get a job, full-time job, and run the church at the same time. And he said, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I want you to stay full-time. I don't want you to work. I want you to work for the church. I want you to go full-time. You've got to just trust me. October, that money came. Come November, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. That money's coming. That God's going to support us somehow. You've told me you're going to support us, Lord. How are you going to do it? I don't know how you're going to do it, but you said you're going to do it. So we trusted God. November, money came. December, money came, although it was the 24th of the month. 24th of December, that money came. And it's Christmas. Our first Christmas. We're going to bless our kids with gifts. 1st of December came, nothing. 15th of December, nothing. 23rd of December, nothing. 24th, money came. That money kept coming for two years. We never phoned our church and said, listen, we're in desperate trouble. Please, can you meet our needs? My kids are starving. I've got to run. We didn't do that. And the church didn't get hold of us and say, how are you doing? Have you got any financial needs? And who remembers facts? Who remembers faxes? Google it if you don't know what a fax is. We sent a fax to South Africa when the church could support us. And a fax came through. They almost crossed. And we said, we don't need the support anymore. The church is going to continue to support us. They can support us now. And they did the same thing. We've got missionaries overseas on the same day. Missionaries overseas that we need to support. Your support is being cancelled. That was amazing. I thank God for all those faithful tithers that made that possible. And the gospel, and this, we brag on Jesus when we say 1,500 churches are going around the world. We need more churches in the world, don't we? Because there's a lot of need and a lot of pain out there. So we're so thankful that our church taught us those things. We support families in need. We bought a box of groceries the other day. I think we, Esther and I were praying about this and we got a thought about getting a bag for every one of you. And if you can only bring one tin, one tin of something, peas, beans, whatever it might be, put it in that bag and bring it. If you can't, just don't bother. That's okay. That's not a problem. We support fine financially, and we need to support them because people are really finding the pinch. Even people with two jobs, the wife's working, the husband's working a full day's job, and they've still got to go to a food bank. There's poverty in our nation. It just shouldn't be. So we support fine. Please support them. Every week when you get your groceries, just put something, something aside for them and bring it to church. And Julie and John, they go to find. They've got huge needs, haven't they, Julie? Absolutely huge needs. And it's holidays now. I know I mentioned teenagers earlier on, young people. Those children are going to be at home now. They're not going to be at school. They're not going to get school meals. So how are they going to get fed if people don't help? And those food banks are bursting at the seams and some in the nation are closing because they can't get enough food to supply the needs of people that are less fortunate than you and I. 
And I thank you from the bottom of my heart that this church exists because you are faithful in giving your time, your energy, your gifts, your talents, your money. And we're so grateful. We came in here. We had a prayer meeting this morning before you guys came. 20 people were here just praying, setting up. It's just a great vibe, isn't it? Danny, there's a great camaraderie here. People are serving one another, loving one another. And that's why we're here, people. And we're not just here for us. We're here for people out there. And there are people out there that have greater needs than we have. Where are we placing our trust? Let's just close with these few verses. Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life. And I know we all have things that we're worried about in our life. How are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to buy food? If you're struggling... Hear me clearly. If you're struggling and you need help, you need to come and speak to myself or Esther or any one of the leaders in the church. Will you do that? There's a great need in the church. It's no good us meeting the needs out there. We can't meet the needs in here. We're here to help you. This message is here. I've given it this morning to help you. To learn about how to trust God when times are really desperate. We've had some desperate times in this church. It came to one point where I thought, gee, I am going to have to go out to work because... They can't afford to pay me. And they gave me uh, half the money at the start of the month and half of it at the end of the month. But we pushed through. And what we've done as a church, even in drought in this church, even when there have been tough, hard financial times in this church, we have not stopped sowing the 10% plus. We didn't eat our seed. We sowed the seed. We have to. I said to the trustees, guys, we can't hold back. We can't spend that money. That's our seed. We've got to sow it. And we've got to sow it to people that are worse off than we are. And God's come through. Just need to stand in faith to trust him for these things. And that's what we do on a monthly basis. Is that right? Mark is our chair of trustees. We just had a trustees meeting. This church has financial needs. And I am not preaching this message to say, you get your money out. You do whatever God shows you to do. These are principles to live by, and we've lived by them personally. And God has always come through. Had a bill to pay once, and someone stuffed money. They didn't know. Stuffed money through my door so I could pay a bill. Groceries on the doorstep sometimes. Just amazing things that we've seen God do because we trusted him. Trust him. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried about anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap the harvest nor gather the crops into barns. And yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth more than they? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. You know, Esther and I run this church, lead this church with a fantastic group of volunteers that give all of their time and their energy for the sake of the kingdom. And Esther and I are doing the same. We've given our lives to this. And God is faithful. I want to tell you people, God is faithful. He will not see his children begging bread. And again, I want to reiterate, if you're struggling, you're having a hard time financially, you must come and speak to us and we'll see what we can do. 
You know, we've got to trust God and look to him to supply our needs. But we are here to help you in any way that we can. And I know it's humbling. You know, people go to food banks. They say, I don't want to go to a food bank because it feels like I'm begging. And they feel ashamed. Please don't feel ashamed. Please don't feel guilty. God wants to help you. And I believe he set up the church to do that. I really do believe that. And if anyone is struggling, I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray for a breakthrough in your finances. If that's you, if you've got a pound or a penny, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, Jesus was sitting one day and he was there with the offering buckets and an old widow came and put in two mites. She was a poor widow, the Bible says. And there she is giving everything that she's got. She sowed that seed into that thing. And Jesus said, look, she's given more than anybody else. There are probably some big givers in that church. She'd probably given everything. God's not asking you to give everything. Start with something. Start with something. I believe God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to the world. You know, Israel is blessed. Why? God will not forsake them. They're one of the most blessed countries in the world. I've never been there. I know some people have. You know, it's like a desert, but God's blessed them. They're prospering. Why is that? Because they know how to serve God and give God. And give to God. Sow something. So I just want to pray over any, any person here who's really struggling financially. And struggling even to feed yourselves or your children or pay your rent. Father God, I just thank you. I want to break this curse of poverty. And poverty mentality. I used to have poverty mentality. But I no longer have poverty mentality. Because I know God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. I could pray a prayer and say, you know what, God, just supply these churches' needs and nothing else. That's all I'm asking. No, I want to see us have an abundance so we can give an abundance. We support two missionaries overseas, someone in India and someone in Swaziland. They're feeding thousands of children. They're reaching the poorest of the poor. And especially in India where the guys are being so persecuted, they've got death threats. And we're sowing money to them. We can't reach those people. I can't reach them with my hands, but we can with our pockets. We can. So I break the curse. Poverty is a curse. It doesn't make anybody humble. I break the curse of poverty over every person in this church and the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe you blessed Israel to be a blessing. and You're blessing us to be a blessing so that we can bless others. So, Father, as I pray this morning, I break that curse of poverty over you. Right now, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God for provision, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And I thank you. I know this is, can be a hard message to, to give and to receive. But I believe God wants us to really dig deep so we can look to him for provision, even in drought, even when times are really challenging. And Father, I thank you as I close the service now. I thank you that your angels will close around, us, around about us until we can meet again in Jesus' name. Just before we go, just keep your eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never put him in the driving seat of your life. Is he Lord over everything in your life? If you've never made him the Lord of your life and you'd like to, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I don't know where I'll be without Jesus, people. I don't think I'll be. I think I'll be dead. I really do. Do you need Jesus today? Just raise your hands and say, I need Jesus. I want to give my life to him and serve him all my days. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just grown cold in heart to the things of God and you thought, the church has hurt me, I've been hurt by church, but I'm here today. 
And maybe you just want to come back to God and serve him. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. I just want to come back to God and serve him with all of my heart. Anybody this morning? Okay. Thank you. Um, there'll be a prayer team at the end of the service. We can all pray for people. It's not just the anointed, gifted ones at the front here. We can all pray for people. If you feel comfortable praying with somebody about a challenge or problem you have, please go to that person and let them pray for you. If you're struggling with anything that I've spoken about or you've got sickness in your body and you need prayer, please come forward and someone will be here to pray for you at the end of the service. God bless you as you go.